You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, and do you know where we're going tonight? Everybody know where we're going? We're going home after the service, but we're going to the book of Revelation. I have been looking forward to this, and I, I feel bad. I, I started announcing it, and I probably started announcing it too early. I got looking at the schedule, and I was just trying to figure out when we could start and have some flow and uh, some continuity, and uh, here we are tonight, and uh, I love the book of Revelation. Uh, the book of Revelation is nothing to be scared of if you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus... I don't know how you sleep at night. And by the way, I'm not just talking about the book of Revelation. I'm talking about the whole Bible. I don't know how you could read passages about hell. And by the way, hell is a real place where there's literal fire and where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And it's not just for a temporary portion of time. It's forever. A person that dies without Christ and goes to hell, they will spend forever in a place called hell. Say, well, pastor, I don't believe that. That's kind of, that kind of sounds kind of, you know, sounds kind of harsh. Well, as much as I love you and as much as I want to be kind and I don't want to hurt your feelings, it doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what the Bible says. And, and you can't say, you can't say, well, I don't believe the parts about hell, but oh, I love the parts about heaven. Jesus preached more about the subject of hell than he did about heaven. And is that to say that one is more real than the other? No, they're both real places. But you've got to realize that if you are here tonight or you are watching the service or you're listening by way of radio or you've got friends or loved ones that do not know Jesus, the moment that you breathe your last breath, you will be in a place called hell uh, and you'll be there forever and ever. And I, I understand we'll get to Revelation where the Bible says that, uh, that uh, the books are open, another book, which is the book of life, and then those that have been in hell will stand before the great white throne, and they'll be cast into a lake of fire forever. I understand all that, but I want to tell you, it's forever. Uh, there's, no, there's no such thing as purgatory. There's no such thing as reincarnation. It's when you die, you will spend forever in heaven or in hell. And so I say all that to say that if you don't know Jesus, uh, you ought to be concerned. You ought to be worried. And especially when you read the book of Revelation, uh, if you don't know Jesus, this is terrifying. But if you know Jesus, this book of Revelation, it ought to bring a smile to your face. It ought to put a spring in your step. And it ought to give you a shout in your soul to know that we are on the winning side, to know that we know Jesus. Now, let me give you a few thoughts as we get into the book of Revelation. Verse number one, this explains what the book is all about, okay? This book, it says the revelation or the revealing, it's, it's the unveiling. If we had, a, if we had a, a table up here with a curtain and I, I pulled back the curtain and you saw on the table what was underneath the curtain, that would be a, an unveiling. It would be a revealing. And it says that the book of Revelation, it is an unveiling. It is a revealing of, notice verse 1, it said it is, is the revelation of the Antichrist. Is that what it says? 
It says it's the revelation of the beast, the dragon, and the false prophet. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that it's the revelation of the, the tribulation period. It's the, the revelation of the plagues and the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments and the vile. No, no, no. This is the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. This book is all about Jesus. And friend, I want to tell you, if you read the book of Revelation and you're so worried because you're so focused on the Antichrist, you're missing it. This book is not about the Antichrist. This book is about the true Christ. This book is about Jesus. Notice with me in verse number uh, 6. It's talking about Jesus here. And it says that he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father to him, that is Jesus, be glory and dominion forever and ever. You know how long Jesus gets the spotlight? Forever. You know how long he sits on the throne? Forever. You know how long the Antichrist gets? He gets seven years. Seven measly years, and he's out of there. Uh, you think about the kings throughout history, and there have been some kings that have sat upon a throne for their country, or maybe for many countries, and they've sat on the throne for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or maybe 50 years. You know how quickly 50 years goes by? Some of you do, because it's already gone by. You know how small 50 years is compared to forever? It's not even the blink of an eye compared to eternity. And this says that Jesus will have dominion. Jesus will be on the throne forever and ever and ever. Uh, by the way, don't get worried about the president. Don't get worried about the governor, the, the president and the governor and the, the representatives and the senators. You know how long they're uh, in office? Not very long. But we know that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will be forever and ever. Hallelujah and amen. Notice with me as we get started here uh, this evening, Revelation chapter 1. I want you to notice in verse number 1 the title of the book the title of the book and let's pray and i'll get right into it lord we love you we thank you for your word i pray that you'd speak to our hearts help me to be clear help me to be uh very concise i pray that you'd help me to uh explain uh, your word and the very best i can but holy spirit of god i pray you'd speak to our hearts may we not miss uh, what the bible says and i pray that we would uh take it i pray we'd receive it i pray we'd apply it to our lives and I pray that we would believe it and have faith that your word is true. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The title of the book, number one, and that is, it is the revelation, it is the unveiling or the revealing of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So we see the title of the book. Now, the book of Revelation is different from other books of prophecy in that in the book of Daniel, if you want to jot down a reference, Daniel 12, verse 4, when God gave Daniel his prophecy uh, concerning the um, uh, 70 years captivity and concerning the tribulation and concerning the millennial reign and all those, Daniel 12, 4, God told Daniel, he said, shut up the book, seal up the words. Uh, this isn't for right now, just keep it as is. 
But the book of Revelation opens by saying, this is a revealing, this is an unveiling. God wants us to know what is going to happen because, by the way, we're really close. I believe we are knocking on the door. I believe Jesus Christ could come back tonight, and so we need to be ready. The book of Revelation was written by John. Well, who was John? He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the writer of the gospel of John. He was the writer of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And now we see John as the writer of the book of Revelation. It's interesting, if you'll notice, the title of the author is found in verse number 1. He is just referred to, he refers to himself as the servant. His servant, the servant of Jesus Christ. Now, if that's not humility, I don't know what is. If anybody had something to brag about, I'd say it was John. John was there in Jesus' inner circle. Remember Peter, James, and John. Those three were on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw Jesus uh, uh, glorified and they, uh, they, they saw those things and they saw Elijah and they saw Moses and they said, it's a good thing for us to be here. They were there. John was referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. See, how close were Jesus and John? Well, I'll tell you this. At the cross, Jesus looked down and he saw his mother. And he said to John, he said, John, behold thy mother. And he said to his mother, mother, behold thy son. He gave John the responsibility of taking care of his own mother. That's how close Jesus and John were. But this time, John has been exiled. He's on the island of Patmos. Now, when we think about islands, we think vacation, right? We think Tropical, we think paradise, we think of resort. This was not the tropical paradise in the Roman Empire that John went to visit. John was exiled. He was literally sent to that island and separated from everybody he knew and loved. Uh, historians tell us that John, they, they tried to execute him. They tried to boil him in a pot of oil and he didn't die. And so they said, hey, we're just getting rid of this guy. We're getting him as far away as we can. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos. I'm sure for John, I'm sure that was a lonely place. But can I tell you what? God was not done with John. As a matter of fact, while John was exiled, while he was uh, 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 banished from civilization, while he was suffering a punishment, it was then and there that God gave John the book of Revelation. I'm thankful for somebody like John who was faithful to God even through persecution. We see, number one, the title of the book. Number two, the title of the author. But number three, I want you to see the theme of the book. This book is all about Jesus. And we'll see it all through Revelation. This book has a theme, one theme, and that theme is Jesus Christ. You know, I think sometimes if we're not careful, and I'm like this as well, I think if we're not careful, I think we'll, we'll focus more on the problem than we will focus on the answer, right? And we all have problems, right? Uh, raise your hand if you don't have any problems at all in life. Your, your life is problem-free, all right? I don't see any hands. We all have problems. Well, you know what the answer is to every problem for you and for me? The answer is Christ. 
Jesus is the answer to our problems. But so many times we focus on the problems when we should be focusing on Jesus. You see, many times we focus uh, on the signs of the times. By the way, I believe you ought to notice the signs of the times. I think you ought to see when there are wars and rumors of wars, when there are earthquakes, when there are famines, when there are pestilences, when there are diseases. You know what Jesus said? Hey, you better look up. You better get ready. Uh, his coming is, is very nigh. Well, I think it's good to focus on the signs. But don't focus on the signs more than you focus on Jesus. If you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, we'll focus more on the counterfeits than we will on the real thing. Keep your eyes on Jesus is what I'm trying to say. Uh, in uh, the book of John, chapter 12, the Bible says there were certain Greeks that came up to worship at the feast. And when they got to that feast to worship, they told the disciples, they said, we just want to see Jesus. And they said, you know, all this other stuff is, is fine and, and good, but this isn't the, the main thing. This is not the reason we're here. We just want to see Jesus. Uh, and I hope that's your desire in this Revelation series. I hope your desire is not just curiosity or, or information gathering, but I hope your desire is to know Jesus better and have a better relationship and a closer walk with Jesus. That is what the book of Revelation is all about. Notice verse number three. It says, uh, look at verse two, uh, John, who bear record of the word of God. He said, I'm just telling you what God told me. I'm just telling you what the word of God is. And of the testimony of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm just rehearsing to you what I heard from Jesus, his own testimony, his own words, and of the things that he saw. John said, I'm just telling you what I saw. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. I'm just telling you, I saw it, and here it is for you. Verse number three. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, verse 3, I can't explain how all this works, but I will tell you, verse 3 tells us there is a special blessing for those that hear, for those that read, and for those that obey the words of this prophecy. By the way, that's why I think it's a good idea to read the Bible every day. You know why? God promises blessing on those that read his word. How about this? Those that hear his word. Well, you can hear God's word. You can listen to it on a, a CD or you can uh, listen to it on a, 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 a radio. You can listen to it on a live stream. You can listen to it by preaching or teaching or you can read it out loud and you can hear yourself read it. But there is a blessing for reading it, for hearing it, and there is a blessing for obeying the word of God. Psalm 19, David said about the word of God, he said, in keeping of them, or in obeying the word of God, there is great reward. You want the blessing of God? I hope you do. I know I do. You want the blessing of God? Well, read this book right here. Listen to this book. Obey this book. Joshua 1.8. You know the verse. You could probably say it with me. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There is a blessing 
for those that read, those that hear, those that obey the word of God. Notice verse number uh, four. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace unto you and peace from him which is, which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Let's talk a little bit more about the theme the theme of this book is Jesus. Let's talk about what it says about Jesus in verse number uh, five. It says, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Now, you know what is so amazing is that if Jesus said it, you can believe it. If Jesus said it, it is true. Uh, if Jesus said it, you don't have to have somebody else come along and verify and say, yeah, I, I saw that happen. Oh, no, no. Jesus stands alone. He's the only witness that is needed. If he says it, it is true. He is faithful. He is dependable. But then it says this in verse number five, not only is Jesus the faithful witness, and, and this is all setting the stage, so this is a revelation of Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? Was he just a good man? Was he just a prophet? Was he just a teacher? Was he just a man that could perform miracles? You know, God gave him some special power. Oh, no, no, no. He was much more than that. He was the faithful witness. But then it says he was the first begotten of the dead. That word first begotten, it, it, it speaks of being the firstborn. Now, hang on. Because some cults will say, take that and say, see, there you go. Jesus is not God because he was born, right? Oh man, you want to hear something crazy? I hope, I hope you've not heard about this. I was talking to a preacher recently and he asked me, he said, Jeremy, he said, have you heard about this new cult that is called the mother of God religion? I said, no, I haven't, but tell me about it. He said, it's crazy. He said, these people, they believe it. Hook, line, and sinker. Here's why. You ready for this? Because we know there's God the Father. We know there's God the Son. So there must be God the Mother. There must be the Mother of God. And here's the sad thing is, this is not a joke. This is not something I'm just pulling your legs saying, ha ha, no, I'm just kidding. No, people believe that. Well, there's a problem. And the problem is, that's not in the Bible. And you say, well, that just makes sense to me. I don't care if it makes sense to you because if the Bible doesn't teach it, then we don't believe it. Now, you can have ideas and you can have theories and you can believe in all kinds of crazy stuff, but I'm not here to tell you my ideas. I'm here to tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says that Jesus is the first begotten uh, of the dead. That word first begotten means firstborn. Now, firstborn in the Bible, uh, of course, we say firstborn. Well, does that mean there was a secondborn? No. Because John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God only has one son, okay? Uh, but so the first begotten or the firstborn is a title of honor. In the Bible, what did the firstborn get? Firstborn got the blessing. The firstborn got the honor. And Jesus Christ is the first begotten of the dead. He is the firstborn. It's a title of honor. Told your place in Revelation. And I want you to look with me in the book of Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Let's see what the Bible says about the firstborn and Jesus being the firstborn in Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 
and then Colossians chapter 1. Notice verse number 14. So we're establishing the fact that this book is all about Jesus, and, and we, we know the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. We, we'll talk more about that. But it says in verse number 14 of Colossians 1, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Then take a good look at Jesus because Jesus Christ is God. He is the image of the invisible God and he is the firstborn, there it is again, of every creature. You say, well, pastor, I'm still confused because, you know, firstborn, you know, kind of makes me think that maybe he was a created being and maybe he's not God. Well, let's look, see what verse 16 says about it. For by him, that is Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. I think that's pretty clear. Jesus Christ created all things and they were all created by him and for him, verse 17. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. This is incredible. Not only did Jesus create everything, but he's the one that holds it all together. He's the one that keeps it all going. By him all things consist, verse 18. And he, that is Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn, there it is again, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You know who's number one in the church? You know who's number one in the world? You know who's number one in everything? It is Jesus Christ that in all things he should have the preeminence. By the way, someday every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You say, oh, I don't know. I think Jesus is stealing the glory from God. Oh, no. Jesus isn't stealing any glory from the Father because the Father is glorified when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Look with me, if you would, verse number 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Probably the same page for you. i got to turn one page. Verse number 9. Speaking of Jesus, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know what you have? In Jesus, you have God. You have the deity of Jesus Christ is found in Revelation chapter 1. He's the faithful witness. He is the first begotten of the dead. He is the prince of the kings of the earth. That title, prince, it means the ruler. He's not just one of the kings. He's over all the kings. He's not just one of the bunch. He is the prince of all the rulers of the earth. But then I think it gets better. Verse number five. We're talking about Jesus. It says, unto him that loved us. Not only is he the first begotten of the dead. Not only does he have the title of honor and the title of authority, and not only is he the prince of the rulers of the earth, but he loves you. He loves me. 
He gave himself, it says in verse number five, and he washed us from our sins. How did he do that? In his own blood. You see, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. Jesus Christ didn't just come to this earth and he didn't just do some miracles and he didn't just uh, preach some feel-good sermons and then say, all right, you're on your own. Jesus came and he, he gave his life. He shed his blood. He paid the price uh, on, on Calvary so that you and I could have eternal life. This is the one that John is talking about. This is who Jesus is. Verse number six. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. Now, kings and priests. Does that sound familiar? Remember last Monday night? Remember Brother Joe Arthur talking about we are kings. The king has the authority. The priest has the access. And God has made us, Jesus has made us kings and priests. First Peter 2, 9. The Bible says, for ye are a chosen generation. Ye are a royal priesthood. Aren't you glad that we don't have to go through a man to get to God? Aren't you glad you don't have to schedule an appointment and come to church and come and confess your sins to a man? You can go directly through God, through the person of Jesus Christ, because you have been made a priest. You have been made a king. You have been given the authority and the access to come boldly before the throne of grace. That's what we have in Jesus and to him. Verse 6, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7, John says this about Jesus, and we're still talking about the theme. This, this whole book is all about Jesus. Verse 7 says this, behold. That means pay attention. That means hang on, look up here. Listen, behold. He's coming. Jesus Christ is coming. And it says in verse 7, he cometh with clouds. By the way, the next time he comes at the rapture, the Bible says that we will meet him in the clouds. He's not setting foot on the earth at the rapture, but he's going to meet us halfway. He's going to meet us in the clouds. But this right here, it's talking about when Jesus comes back, Revelation 19, to rule and to reign. Here's what it says. And every eye shall see him. When the rapture takes place, not every eye is going to see him. Those that are saved will see him, will see him, and will be with him in the clouds, and will meet our loved ones in the air. But not every eye shall see him, and certainly not, verse 7, it says, they also which pierced him. It says this, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. The word wail, it, it, it's literally, it's moaning and it's groaning and it's being overwhelmed with sorrow. You say, why would people be sorrowful to see Jesus coming back in the clouds? Because those are the ones who did not receive him as Savior. And if you don't accept him as Savior, you will face him as judge. You say, well, I just, I just don't know what to do. I know exactly what to do. You put your faith and trust in him now and you can have him as your savior so you don't have to face the wrath of almighty God later. It says the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him and they also which pierced him. You imagine what that sight's going to be like? I'm talking about unsaved people. 
I'm talking about those who have gone through the tribulation, those who have survived the tribulation, and those that uh, have rejected Christ, and Jesus comes back, and they see him coming in the clouds. Revelation 19 says, riding on a white horse, to coming back to rule and to reign. I tell you what, there's going to be some wailing. There's going to be some weeping. There's going to be some moaning and groaning. And John says in verse 7, even so, amen. He said, this is true. He's coming. Then verse number 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. We're talking about the theme of this book. It's all about Jesus. The term Alpha and Omega, I think we understand this, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. In the Greek alphabet, the first letter of the alphabet is Alpha. The last letter of the Greek alphabet is Omega. So we're talking about the first and the last. But when the term Alpha and Omega is used, it's not just talking about the first and the last. It's not like God is there at the beginning and he gives you a little push and he says, all right, I'll see you at the end. But he's there every step in between. He is there all the way. He is there through everything. He is there from A to Z, everything in between, Alpha and Omega. Can I tell you, He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the eternal God. He is the one, the Bible says in verse number 8, which is. Aren't you glad that God is? He is a present God. But not only is He present today, but He was. He always has been. He always will be, he is, and he was, and he is to come. And then we see in verse number eight, it says he is the almighty. That word almighty, it means the all-ruling, the absolute and universal sovereign God of the universe. Again, it's found in verse number 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. We see the theme. Notice Notice I'm out of time. I want you to know the theme of this book is all about Jesus. And as we go through, we'll see the letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Revelation 4, we'll see what I believe is the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. And then Revelation 5, Revelation 6 through 19 deals with what we call and what we know as the Great Tribulation. It's seven years of great tribulation on this earth. And boy, you think you've read some bad things in history? You think that the Holocaust was bad? You think that the oppression in the Middle East, or you think of the oppression in North Korea or China, or you think of the tortures, and you think about uh, all of the, uh, the, 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 the plagues and all of the wars? Those don't even hold a candle to what will happen on planet earth during seven years of tribulation. We'll talk about that. But then we'll get to Revelation 20, the, the judgments, uh, the, the, the great white throne judgment, and uh, the book of life that is open, and then all those things. And then we'll see in Revelation 21 and 22, we'll see the new heaven and the new earth. And by the way, it's going to be wonderful. There will be no more sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. I want to tell you, there's going to be times in this series where it's going to be really exciting. There's going to be times where we dig into it and it's going to seem really, really deep and really tough. But we're going to the end. 
And when we get to the end, we find out that Jesus Christ, he was, he is, and he always will be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.